Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, friends. Thank you for joining me as we continue to look at the parables of Christ. Today we're going to be taking a look at Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed. Because this, in short, is Yahshua's teaching pertaining to faith, but not his only teaching. And therefore, there exists this question, what is faith? And numerous people have many different answers to that question. Because if you go up to any standard faithful Christian and you tell them what is faith, usually they will begin to testify what faith is for them. For example, our brothers in bonds may say that faith to them is what helped them through the court system. Our friend at work may say he had faith that he would get a better job, and it came to pass. A pastor may tell you that his faith helps him to grow his ministry, and that he had faith to be able to preach to the flock of Yahweh God, and that came to pass. And the irony of all of these answers, dear friends, is that they are all correct. How can I say that? Because There really is only one biblical definition of what faith is. And in looking at Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed, I feel we should begin there. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. You may be familiar with this particular text because this is considered the faith hall of fame, quote unquote. It is here. In Hebrews chapter 11, where many of the patriarchs and the biblical examples are listed, both men and women, all being examples of faith. But yet at the very beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we are told exactly what faith is. So pay close attention to this. The author, most likely Paul, says... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that, friends, is the biblical definition of what faith is. Faith is the substance. In the Greek, this word is hypostasis, and it means a support, a groundwork, but more specifically, confidence. And that, in short, is what faith is. Confidence. But confidence in something that is hoped for. But 
not necessarily seen. This word evidence in the Greek is elchios. It means proof. So, here is what faith is, faithful listener. Faith is what we have, but the rest of the unbelieving world does not. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The natural man, nine times out of ten, requires a sign. They are men and women who will not believe in anything unless their own lying eyes see it. But we, having faith, believe in many things that we do not see. And therefore, that is the definition of faith. Having a belief in something that you do not necessarily see. Or, more specifically, see come to pass. And so, now that we have defined faith, and you understand that all of those examples I've given you, and there are millions, are correct because it is this belief. All of these characters, all of these classes had faith in the substance of things hoped for. They believed. And that, my friend, is where the Judeo-Christian usually fails because in Scripture we hear this terminology, believe. Whosoever believeth and is baptized is saved. But that word belief usually means just this, faith. We must have faith. In almost every single parable of Jesus the Christ, he would go for those who had faith and allow them in and say, enter into the kingdom. But to those that lacked faith, he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so we're going to look at Jesus' parable of the mustard seed, rest assured. But I really want to lay some groundwork so you understand the terminology that Yahshua uses in this allegory. The terminology pertaining to not only faith, but also a mustard seed. So in beginning, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Beginning in verse 14 we read, When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him thither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. So understand what is transpiring here. A certain man had to come to Yeshua, and he tells him, Look, my son is a lunatic. In the Greek, this word literally means moonstruck. Or some just say epileptic. And he comes to Yeshua and he says, your disciples were not able to cure him. And Jesus Christ says, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? And Jesus rebuked the devil personally. And he set this man's son right. What happens? Verse 19. 
here in St. Matthew chapter 17. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Question. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Did you hear what Yahshua said? Nothing shall be impossible unto you through faith. And that is why I began by saying, all of these men and women that you will meet throughout your life who tell you what faith is to them are usually correct because it falls in to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and the definition that is given. Jesus to Christ tells the disciples, you were not able to cast out this demon, this sickness within this lunatic, this moonstruck boy. Because of your unbelief. And then continues to say. For verily I say unto you. If ye have faith. As a grain of mustard seed. Ye shall say unto this mountain. Remove hence to yonder place. And that mountain will obey you. That mountain will obey you. And so. For the listener. Who is faithful. Who's faith has brought them over hard times or delivered them, this sermon will make much sense. To the natural man, however, and the skeptic, he'll come in and say, well, go ahead and move that mountain. Show me your faith, right? But that's not what Yahshua is saying. This is a manner of speech. What Yahshua is saying is that man can never have enough faith. And because the disciples lacked faith, right? because of their quote-unquote unbelief, they were not able to cast out that particular demon. Then, Yahshua even says, Howbeit this kind, or this kind of unclean spirit, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So, Yahshua tells the disciples that their inability to heal, their inability to achieve a miracle in this regard, in dealing with this lunatic, was directly attributed to their lack of faith. And if we had more faith, we would be able to move mountains. Quote, unquote. A polite way of saying nothing shall be restrained from us. Notice Yahshua says, nothing shall be impossible unto you. The only limit to what you can achieve is faith. And that, my friend, is very important. So, before we even get to Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed, turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. At the beginning of Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then said Jesus unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea, then that he should offend one of these little ones. Pay close attention. Yahshua says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. 
Notice, Yahshua says you can only forgive a repentant brother, and that you should rebuke a brother who trespasses against you. He continues, if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> Why? Because this is a hard thing for you and I to do. Let's be honest. It's hard for us to forgive. And especially to forgive when a person comes 70 times in a day and then says, I'm sorry. But yet Yahweh God does this nonstop for each and every one of us, whether we realize it or don't. Therefore, the disciples say, increase our faith. And this is a request that God will grant you. So, do not neglect to pray for faith and an ever-increasing faith in Yahweh God and His Word. The disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. Pay close attention. This is His response. The Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Notice the similarities to what Yahshua said in the gospel according to Matthew. But what he's saying is this. Man's limitation on his, quote-unquote, powers or special abilities is directly linked to his faith. Therefore, we can logically deduct that they of a great faith are able to do great miracles and great things. But those of little faith can do very little. But notice in both of these gospel narratives, Yahshua says, you lack faith to his disciples. And this was most assuredly true. Because there was even one point where Peter stepped out on the water looking at Yahshua and walked a few steps, but once he took his eyes off of Yahshua, he lost faith and he sank within the water. So, now that we have established several things, we should begin to dissect Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed and what it really represents. Because once again, we see another parable of Christ that begins on the note that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. If we, his sons and daughters, truly are desirous for an earth under God's rule, <laughs> then we will pay attention to what Yahshua is saying. Because when he says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this, then that means that we, who are seeking God's law in effect on earth, should pay close attention. Because this gives you a background into the kingdom of heaven. And how we on earth, should actually govern personally and nationally. And so, stay here in the Gospel according to Luke. However, skip over to chapter 13. And in chapter 13 of Luke's Gospel, this is where we read on Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed. Now, St. Luke chapter 13 has many parables that aren't found in the other Gospels. But that's not the case with this particular parable. Not only does the parable of the mustard seed appear here in Luke, but it appears in Mark, Matthew, and 
the Gospel of Thomas. And we're going to be taking a look at all of those translations. So, without further ado, in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, beginning in verse 18, Luke transcribes, Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? Stopping right there. That's the question. What is the kingdom of God like? How should it be? If we are striving to enter into that same said kingdom, then one of the most surefire ways that we can strengthen our position in that coming kingdom is to make our life or our nation just like that coming kingdom, right? So Yahshua asked this question. What is the kingdom of God like? What can I liken it unto? Continuing on. And whereunto shall I resemble it? What does the kingdom of God resemble? So understand, this is a parable, an allegory. This is technically a moral tale. So Yahshua begins to say, in verse 19. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew, and it waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. What? The kingdom of God. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which we've already covered in Matthew chapter 17 and Luke 17, is the smallest seed, at least at Yahshua's time. And, in our era, you merely need to go to Google and Google mustard seed, and you'll be able to see truly how small a seed it is. It's not an avocado pit. It's not a sunflower seed. It is a mustard seed. It is one of the smallest seeds there is. But yet, Google mustard tree, or perhaps you know this, a mustard tree, on the other hand, can grow as big as a mighty oak. And that is what Yahshua is saying here. It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden. Now, why would he do that? Because even in Christ's time, mustard is not a cash crop. Now, that's not to downplay that. I'm sure there's mustard farmers. But for the most part, mustard is a weed. And farmers have to pull it out. And if it is left unattended, it will grow into a huge tree. A tree so great that the fowls of the air can come and they'll land and they'll lodge within it. They'll build their nests and live within it. So, what is Yahshua saying? The kingdom of heaven is likened unto. But another form of leaven. Something that begins very, very small and ultimately becomes huge. So the payoff is great. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. Abnormal growth. Going from something very, very small to something very, very big. And notice the usage of the terminology mustard seed. Because mustard, for the most part, does not appear at all in the Old Testament. And every time mustard as a word is used, it is used by Yahshua. And we've already covered that. He tells the disciples, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, 
you'd be able to move mountains, correct? Therefore, we can also say that the kingdom of God is like faith that grows and grows and grows from a small act, right? Yahshua's sacrifice. So, put this in perspective. Yahshua came to a very small demographic a very long time ago. And over the last successive 2,000 years of history, the kingdom of heaven has continued to grow. Obviously, there are more Christian believers now, right now, today, March 20th, than there were at the times of Yahshua. Yahshua, there were a small number, but the kingdom of heaven is attributed to this, a small seed that grows. So point one is this. Remember, we are living in an era where that mustard tree already has the fowls of the air lodging within it. We have already waxed into a great tree over the last 2,000 years. And remember, proverbially, scripturally, trees equate to people like those trees in the beginning of the Garden of Eden, and those trees that Yeshua spoke about, that we are to judge according to their fruits. So that also is very important when you consider the timeline. The kingdom of heaven is nigh, at least in my opinion. Yeshua says, what is the kingdom of God like, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man intentionally took and cast into his garden. Why? For the purpose of the smallest seed growing into the biggest tree. Also, think about this in terms of profit. If we have a tiny seed, yet grow a huge tree, obviously the seeds that come from that huge tree or the fruits will benefit the sower, right? And in Yahshua's parables, the sower is always Yahweh God. So, this seed, this mustard seed, was intentionally taken and put into the garden or the world by the sower. And it grew and it waxed into a great tree. And the fowls of the air lodged within the branches of it. Now, normally, the fowls of the air, scripturally, at least according to the Old Testament, denote dirty birds or false prophets or Satan sending his birds to come and snatch away the seed that is sown within our hearts. What he is saying, not only to his disciples, but also in this parable of the mustard seed, is that we can never have enough faith. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. 
If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Therefore, we should continue to examine this parable, but this time turn back to the Gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew, beginning in chapter 13, we're going to read exactly what we just read, albeit it is a little different. Beginning in verse 31, we read, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Did you notice the similarities? Yeshua is basically saying, this parable has little to do with the fact of a mustard seed, but more to do with the fact of something small becoming big. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto this. A mustard seed technically illustrates the kingdom of heaven, not the church, but the kingdom or the third and final earth age that we are looking forward to. It also illustrates abnormal growth from a small beginning to a huge tree and not only becoming a tree, but a refuge, a home and a sphere of operation for demonic powers. So, perhaps that's a study for another day. But almost every single reference to the mustard seed emphasizes its smallness. It doesn't have to do with the mustard seed. It has to do with the fact that that particular seed is very, very small and turns into something very, very large. This is why also Yahshua would attribute the kingdom of heaven to a woman who took leaven and mixed it within measures of meal, right? Because leaven also expands. A tiny little bit of yeast can leaven the whole lump. But there were most assuredly several varieties of mustard that grew in Judea. And they would grow to usually a minimum of 10 to 12 feet high as a tree if left unattended. So the Israelites definitely understood the value of mustard as a spice. But very few Israelites sowed mustard. They weren't mustard farmers. In fact, a majority of them were actually shepherds. But that goes without saying. Instead of the kingdom of heaven growing normally, and with only weed in it, friends, terrors and demonic powers also exist and seize upon it and made it a realm of profession becoming the dominating power therein. Now, what I'm trying to say here with all of this 
is that the kingdom of heaven is meant to start small and finish big. And we know that is the case, especially when we consider that there have been 2,000 years of Christian men and women who have all, through faith, been led to Yahshua, their shepherd, as the sheep they are. But also, we are at a point where we have come as a tree to full fruition, and the dirty birds definitely roost within it. So, this is technically the third mystery that Yahshua spoke in St. Matthew's Gospel. It's one of those things that, even though it is transcribed in four particular Gospels, three of which are canonized, men and women will come in and debate its meaning. When the meaning, ironically, is very simple. Faith. That is why I took you to Matthew 17 and Luke 17 at the beginning to show the correlation of this terminology mustard seed. If faith is attributed to mustard seed, which is very small in the beginning, but as we walk and live and go through years, grows into a mighty tree in a place of refuge, then also the kingdom of heaven is attributed to that same mustard seed. Thus, the laws of deduction prove that the kingdom of heaven grows because of faith. And that is why faith is so very important. And I wanted to give you the biblical definition of faith. Remember, it is a belief in something we don't necessarily see, but believe to be so. For example, you weren't there to see the physical de facto crucifixion of Yahshua, but you know His grace is sufficient. What is that but faith? And I'll prove that to you momentarily. But first, turn with me to the Gospel of the Youthful Mark. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 30, he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or what with? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. Very important, verse 33. With many such parables he spake the word unto them. Who? Everybody. Remember, Yahshua spoke in parable form in fulfillment of a prophecy given by Isaiah. Chapter 6, verse 9. That in seeing they may not see, that in hearing they may not hear. This is why he spoke the word of God unto them in as much as they were able to hear it. And not only that, verse 34 confirms, but without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things unto his disciples. Therefore, understand, Yeshua only spoke in parable form to the multitudes. But in speaking parable form, he brought nothing new to the table. Do you hear me? We just confirmed that. As such, he spake the word unto them, the word of God. Everything Yeshua taught in his parables encompasses the Old Testament. 
That's the irony of it. And also, in my opinion, why so many preachers stay away from the parables. Because they actually condemn them. Yahshua, in fulfillment of that Old Testament law, fulfilled also that part of the word that he is. Perhaps that's a study for another day. But he gives the same exact analogy. It is the least of all seeds, but grows into one of the biggest trees known to men. That is what the kingdom of Yahweh God is like and supposed to be. Now, naturally, the multitude would not understand that unless they were familiar with God's word. And if they were familiar with God's word, they would recognize Yahshua as their shepherd. Very simple. And this is the reason why he would expound all things unto his disciples. Later, they would come and say, expound unto us, tell us, the meaning of the parable of the tares and the wheat, for example. And Yahshua would say, well, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The tares are the children of the wicked one, etc. But to the multitude, they did not understand that. We do now, dear kinsfolk. But they did not then. Why? Because we have the codified word. Again, something that requires faith. Do you have faith in the word? Or are you going to allow a man to come in and take that faith in God's word? That's the most surefire sign of a false prophet. They come in and they tell you, well, the word of God is not perfect. <laughs> when it is, even with its errors. They're the ones that don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. They're the ones that grasp and wrestle when it pertains to these particular parables. Understand what we just covered also illustrates abnormal growth of the kingdom. Among men, that is. Instead of it remaining a refuge for true believers only, it was to become a place for professed Christians, ungodly powers to operate. So, if you have free time, look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 9, also Luke chapter 8, verse 12. The fowls usually, and probably here, mean satanic powers. These powers are going to operate in the realm of profession, meaning they're the ones who are going to come in and say, you know what, this is what the church is. But it's not the church. <laughs> These false prophets usually work under the deception in the guise of religion. But what we're discussing here isn't religion, is it? It's the kingdom of God being attributed to something that grows. So, we have now covered Jesus' parable of the mustard seed. From Luke, Mark, and Matthew. I've also proven to you from two specific Gospels that Yahshua said, because of our unbelief, we're not able to grow. We're not able to move mountains or sycamine trees, right? Thus, we have already proven that faith is more so what Yahshua is teaching in his parable of the mustard seed. So, before I really define what faith is, turn with me to the gospel according to Thomas. And hopefully by now, you have a gospel according to Thomas. In the 20th statement of Jesus, in the gospel of Thomas, we read, The disciples said to Jesus, Tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. He replied, It is like a mustard seed, the smallest of all. However, when it falls into work ground, it sends out a large stem, and it becomes a shelter for the birds of heaven. So, remember this. 
And this perfectly aligns with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, does it not? Basically, Yahshua saying, a mustard seed starts small and finishes big. We are at the point of the harvest, so much so that where we just were in Mark's gospel, and most assuredly in Matthew chapter 13, right before Yahshua gives this parable of the mustard seed, he deals with the harvest. But notice that mustard is a weed. It's not a crop. It's a colonizing plant that quickly takes over newly broken ground and, if left unchecked, will take over an entire field. So Thomas's description is botanically correct. The seeds of mustard fall into worked or plowed or open ground and mustard plants rise out without any human effort involved whatsoever. Do you understand that analogy? Yahshua is not saying, hey, go out and sow mustard nor is he using that analogy in his allegory. What he's saying is the smallest seed can fall in prepared ground and grow into something big. And usually, unfortunately, when it grows into something big, it is more subject to demonic attack. Thus, the fowls of the air can oftentimes lodge within its branches. Now, that's not to discredit it. Because on its face... Yahshua was just saying, yeah, birds come and they make nests within it. It's a great thing. A small seed turns into a home for hundreds and hundreds of birds. But there is usually so much more to be said. The mustard seed in Thomas, Matthew, Mark, and Luke can be said to symbolize faith. Or, some will say, the church. But most assuredly, the kingdom of heaven, because that's what Yahshua attributed it to. These are not allegorical guesses. But the similarities between all of these books cannot be discredited. And so, we have looked at Yahshua's parable of the mustard seed. I have defined what faith is by its biblical definition. So turn with me very quickly in conclusion this Sunday morning, to Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning in verse 13, we're told, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, Above all, Paul says, pay close attention, taking the shield of faith. Faith is your shield, dear kinsfolk. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Perhaps those are the dirty birds that lodge within the branches of the mustard. But above all, Paul says in Ephesians, take the shield of faith. That is your defense down here, faith. The fiery darts of the wicked are going to come to you from every angle. But understand, only our faith can overcome. And of course, it concludes by saying, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what's my point? Number two for this particular weekend. Above all, take the shield of faith every day. Hide behind it like the shield it is. And then it will grow from something small into something big. 
What do I mean by this? We must exercise ourselves unto godliness, correct? Skip over a few chapters to Ephesians chapter 2 and read with me verses 8 and 9. For by grace ye are saved, through faith, stopping right there. You've always heard the first part of this, right? You're not saved by race, you're saved by grace. That part is true. But you're saved by grace through faith. Point number three for this weekend. You're only saved by grace if you have faith within that grace. And grace, tying into Hebrews 11, is something you don't see. It's something you must have faith within. For by grace ye are saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now you can see your own works, right? But you must have faith within grace. So, take the shield of faith. Have faith within Yahshua's grace. Turn with me to the first epistle of Peter, chapter 1. Beginning in verse 6, Peter says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, what your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Point four. Your faith can be tried. But if you take the shield of faith and you have faith within the grace of Yahshua, you will overcome. Pay close attention to verse eight here in the first chapter in the general epistle of Peter. Whom, having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full glory. Receiving the end of your faith. Salvation of souls. Point five for this weekend is this. Faith overcoming the world leads to the salvation of your souls. Therefore, it is not strange that Yahshua would attribute the kingdom of heaven to what? The smallest seed that grows. Because if we follow this pattern, we will overcome. Turn with me to two more places. First, James chapter 1, the general epistle. And I believe I can drive home this point pertaining to faith and mustard seeds and the kingdom of heaven, etc. James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Point 6. You're tried or tempted? So you can work patience, so you can grow, so you do not shrink back. Knowing this, James, the brother of Yahshua says, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And finally, turn with me to where we began, back to the general epistle to the Hebrews. And this is where we're going to end this particular study. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, we read, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath your great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that 
after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Pay close attention. Now the just shall live by faith. Point seven for this particular Sunday morning. The just live by faith. You can live according to your faith, but not unless you pick up your shield. Not unless you have faith or believe within grace. The just shall live by faith. Continuing on. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure within him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. So do you understand now why Jesus Christ would attribute and liken the kingdom of heaven unto a mustard seed? Because it must continue to grow. But even though we have faith, and if we exercise faith by overcoming trials, we draw closer to God, which increases faith. And if we pick up that shield of faith, we can live according to faith. But that does not mean we will make it into the kingdom. That does not mean that we cannot be deceived. Because the worst form of deception, dear kinsfolk, is deceiving ourselves into believing that we also are accepted of Yahshua when Yahshua never hears us. When he will say, in judgment, depart from me, I never knew you. So, even though I've given you about seven points in this particular sermon, remember two things. Number one, above all, have faith. Without faith, you're worthless to Yahweh God. There's no need in even reading the book. There's no need in doing anything because faith is what drives you. So, for all you men and women who are in times of trouble, who are in jail, or are facing hard circumstances, have faith. Perhaps use some of the passages that I have equipped you with. And number two, and perhaps most importantly, always strive to get Yahweh's kingdom in effect on earth as it is in heaven. This is part of the model prayer. This is what Yahshua said that we should be praying for. That will increase faith. And faith, my friend, is what it's about. The kingdom is comprised of the faithful. And if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say unto a mountain or a tree, move and it will move. What does this mean? This means we don't have the faith, even though we delude ourselves into thinking we're very, very faithful. You can never have enough faith. And so, until next time, I want to invite you, this Tuesday, March 22nd, to tune in to Eurofolk Radio, accessible on the World Wide Web at Eurofolkradio.com, and listen to the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Hour, because I, Pastor Bisser, will be interviewed and I'll go into detail about many things pertaining to my childhood, my walk of faith, and what's on the horizon for Covenant People's Ministry. I want to thank the very few people who support this ministry. The rest of you who listen, who don't support, realize that this message is brought to you based on the ties of but a few. And so, until Tuesday, March 22nd, 
two days from now, live on Eurofolk Radio. This is Pastor Visser from the Covenant People's Ministry, wishing you and your entire family a prosperous rest of the year and great studies. War for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.